Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey y'all, it is Friday, and so this is a special edition of Thursday Coast. This is MIP with Massimella Mark Thompson. Get woke. All right, folks, our regular segment with founder of Daily Coast, the co-founder of Civics Research, as we are awaiting the final counts, the final declaration, the final projections, um, you know, and it may be a little while longer, but things are looking very interesting, looking better every minute for Joe Biden. Of course, here with us for Thursday Coast is the person for whom the website and the segment are named, Marcos Melitsis. Hey, man, how you feeling? I slept last night. So that was a big <laughs> improvement right. over Tuesday. It's funny, as the segment started, I was just seeing the latest numbers from Georgia. There was a batch of votes came in from Harris County, Georgia. So it's like, you know, you, you can't even take 10 minutes to, to you know, say a camera, say, hey, what's up? Uh, because these results are coming and right. the situation is changing minute by minute, it seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rapidly. Um, so Biden's pretty much got this, right? Yeah, the election is the presidential election is over by any by any measure other than let's finish counting the votes and let's certify it and make sure that what we expect to happen actually does happen. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we should um, as long as Trump has a mathematical chance of winning in places like Arizona and in uh, in Nevada, that it makes sense to just give it a give it a, you know, give it a few extra hours, maybe a day or two to make sure those votes are counted. But we know given trends, what's outstanding, all those things, we know that Biden is going to win Nevada, Pennsylvania, and we're pretty confident Georgia is going in that direction. Um, It looks uh, better and better by the minute. And Arizona, Arizona's the wild card, actually. Arizona should not have been called on election night by Fox News (laughs) of all places. And the AP, uh, there is still a chance that Trump may eke out a victory in Arizona. Um, How? And there's actually there's no way to know. What what happening? What what's, what happened is that the remaining votes um, were late, early votes uh, that were either cast at the last minute or were actually walked in and dropped off at boxes on election day. Those votes are heavily Republican heavily Republican. Democrats voted early. So the later the count goes, the more Republican they become. 
And we've been watching these, these drops come in uh, from various counties in Arizona, hoping that that trend isn't that 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 trend doesn't continue it has it has so we are at a point right now last i saw again things change minute by minute it seems but last time i looked about an hour ago uh trump needed to win the outstanding votes by about a 60 to 40 margin to win arizona he was winning them around 58 percent that's how close. Now, it doesn't mean that the remaining ballots will continue at that pace. We don't know. This isn't like a traditional election where we can look at, oh, all that's outstanding is Philly. Like, okay, right. we're, you know, we're going to win that. In Arizona, these ballots are, are one, they're from, Arizona's only chopped up into about five counties. I mean, so that alone right there, you have greater diversity within the counties. You have... Um, you may have Phoenix proper, then the suburbs, and then some exurbs, all of them represented in a single county. So we actually don't know where those votes are coming from, number one. And then number two, there's so many different dynamics, given that this is the first vote by mail election and the pandemic and Trump telling people not to vote earlier. So many different questions that it is sort of impossible to say, yeah, these votes will be more Republican or these votes will be more Democrat. And that uncertainty means that I think a state like Arizona cannot be called. Now that's different in Nevada because while the vote numbers in Nevada are close right now, I think it's 12,000 vote Biden lead, there's about 120,000 votes outstanding, 90% of them in extremely Democratic Clark County, that is the, the county of Vegas. So. There's a real chance that while it is close today, it may be a hundred thousand vote Biden victory when all of that is counted. Like there's just no path for Trump. And if they called uh, Nevada for, I, I would call Nevada for Biden at this point, given what's outstanding. There's no real hurry. I think news organizations can wait, but that one I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm not worried about Georgia because we don't need it. It would be nice. And we have, two runoffs in the Senate elections going into January. So that's kind of exciting. Control for Senate will. Is that guarantee Ossoff's runoff? Is, are, we, is that, are we solid with that? We're at solid. We're pretty solid. I mean, okay. right now, Purdue is under 50% by, <laughs> by about that much. Not right. by a lot. But all the votes that are left are all in, in the, the either Savannah or in Metro Atlanta. And that margin is, is closing. And at this point, I think we think we're pretty sure that Biden is going to win Georgia. And he's already, you know, these votes are just getting more democratic as we go. So so there's really little chance for Purdue to find any place to get some votes and get back above 50 percent. So that's going to be epic. It will be epic. And we should all sort of get ready for this major battle in Georgia. But what it does mean is that that at the presidential level, we all want that that call that says Joe Biden's officially president-elect, but um, people are counting. And at this point, there's not a lot of reason for news organizations to make calls and potentially have egg in their face or get people pissed off when the, the, the vote is what's going to decide uh, who wins anyway. And we're going to know that within the next day or two. All right. Um, it, it, hopefully we will besides um you know I, I think as a as a society people have been misled for years into thinking that everything was always decided on election night these processes are not new they've always done this yeah. it's just that most elections were decisive enough on election night this period didn't make a difference but um, you know, for example, even as these numbers are being counted now with some of these states you've even been through, they still got a few more days, maybe even to next week to kind of do a little housekeeping on what is coming in. Um, and I think that uh, I know at least one of them, maybe it was Pennsylvania. I think they've got even a little more time. Um, but still, it's a strong possibility. We'll we'll know what the numbers look like. And then a decision will be made. Um, but why doesn't it, it feel, I guess it's just not official yet. Why does it still not feel like um, uh, victory? Biden, yeah, <laughs> victory. And, 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 and as you answer that, I got a confidential message from someone 
both you and I respect greatly in media. I'm not going to mention uh, the person's name. But even in the industry, this person was complaining that the mainstream seems to want to keep Trump alive, the mainstream media. Um, one, they're terrified because he went off on Fox News for declaring Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want to be put in that boat. But yeah. there's still something they get out of the drama. It's more here. He can still do something. And, you know, uh, especially, yeah. and, and this is not anybody from CNN, but especially CNN. I mean, CNN is still kind of acting like this thing is up in the air. So I um, I would actually disagree. I think the media learned their lesson, and I think they've handled it. The cable news media, they've handled this situation incredibly well. I mean, when their votes were coming in, they kept saying, we're not going to know for days. I mean, John King was like almost obnoxiously uh, broken record by saying, by saying over and over again that these are preliminary numbers. The vote's going to go on for a while just because Virginia is red and... Kentucky is blue doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. I mean, he was he was explaining this over and over again. And they kept stressing that nobody was going to be able to declare victory that night. And when Trump did, um, I saw even in Fox News, they were trashing Trump from doing so. So I actually think the media has learned as I look at the coverage, it's all uh, there's a lot of he's he's uh, inaccurately said that he's won, which is not belly by the facts. I mean, the 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 media is fact checking him in a way that would have been incredibly helpful four years ago, four years and change ago. Uh, better late than never. But I actually don't have much to criticize the media for. And even the coverage of those stupid, silly um, rallies, you know, that, that these MAGA people are doing, like, count the votes if you're in Arizona and don't count the votes if you're in <laughs> Michigan. Like, you're, you're finally seeing everybody kind of laughing and, and mocking him and, and uh, not taking him that seriously. So really what you have left are, like, the Laura Ingrams and the Tucker Carlsons or Sean Hannity are, like, the last – bastions of of sort of that kind of Trump support. And that's really, um, that's not going to sustain a major push. And you can see that. I don't don't see a lot of energy uh, behind Trump's efforts to to claim that this was a stolen election. And that was different. You can compare it to 2000. We're old timers, right? We know 2000. And and it it was the whole Republican establishment and media establishment. They were all behind that push, right, to to declare uh, George Bush uh, the victor, even though he had lost the election. Uh, you're not seeing that right now. And in fact, you're seeing Trump roll out like the D team, the D legal team. I mean, Paul, you know, Pam Bondi and Rudy Giuliani, he's not exactly pulling out the big guns. So, um, I actually don't think that the media is overplaying the situation. Now, are they being cautious in those calls? Yeah. I don't see, and, and you know, you know me, Mark. I'm I'm a partisan. I'm following these these numbers, these results. I don't see anything wrong in holding off those calls at this point. I'm pretty sure that Biden is going to win those states, but there's a mathematical possibility that he won't. And so, I don't think, in general, that news networks should be making calls in states as long as a candidate has a reasonable possible chance to turn it around. So in Nevada, most of the votes are coming from Clark County. It's pretty almost, I'd say 99% sure that that Joe Biden's going to win. There's that 1% chance that something funky uh, may be present in those votes. And I think that's reason to sort of pause and just wait for more of those votes to come in to just make 100% sure, at least make it so it's mathematically impossible. And the irony of the night was that Fox News really kneecapped uh, the Trump campaign by calling Arizona when they really should not have called Arizona. It was not a good call. As we're seeing now, it's, there's actually a real chance that, that Trump may win the state. And what that did is it created a, you know, it, it allowed um, the Biden campaign to declare victory in a state, in a Trump state. It narrowed Trump's uh, path to victory significantly, made it a lot harder for him to win. And sort of signal to that Fox News crowd, that audience, that the hardcore Republicans, it signaled to them that this night was not going to go as expected. So it was a disastrous call. Um, the, the Arizona call at Fox News was a disastrous 
development for that narrative setting for the Trump campaign. And that's why they've been livid about it and furious about it, because it really legitimately hamstrung them in a way that wasn't quite warranted by the facts. So, um, but your original question, Mark, your original question was, why doesn't it feel like we've won, basically, right? And, right. and it's because the way these votes have been counted means that our votes, the Democratic votes, are being counted two days after the election, right? I mean, imagine if on election night, Michigan would have been called. It's a three-point victory for, for uh, Joe Biden, just the way that Florida was a three-point victory for Donald Trump. And what if, you know, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin had completed its votes and we know, okay, it's close, but okay, uh, Biden is ahead. And Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is probably going to be two, three point victory for Biden once everything is counted. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Nevada. If those states had counted quickly, then you, it would have been a different vibe, right? We'd be all celebrating this, this, this amazing victory. We didn't do as well down ballot. And that's something that maybe we should talk about, but at the presidential level, it was very clear that that we performed that that Biden did well, I and mean, he's going to have as big of a victory in the electoral college as uh, Donald Trump did. And if these states fall as expected, it'll be the exact same uh, uh, margin of victory that Donald Trump, except that he will also have about a five to eight million popular vote advantage as well. So that's about as dominant as a victory as you might be able to expect in this modern partisanized um, uh, world that we live in. Uh, so it's just the fact that this vote has dragged on and the fact that the numbers that came from our voters uh, are voted so late. And, and by the way, just to be clear, that's by the Republican Party's design, particularly in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. They refuse to allow election officials to count votes early. And so uh, that was a big factor in the slowdown. But just generally everywhere else, a lot of these states had never done mail ballots. So they're dealing with an entire new way. And each one of those ballots takes longer to count because you have to pull them out of the envelope. And you think, oh, well, whatever, who cares? Pulling it out, out of the envelope. When you have millions of those, that adds, yeah. even if it's a, you know two seconds, three yeah. seconds, a ballot, that adds real time and really slows things down. Two is that uh, you have record turnout record turnout. I mean, the turnout, we, we, as far as we know so far, we had to go back, I think, 120 years for a year where there was higher turnout in an American presidential election. That's the kind of record turnout. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to overwhelm these election offices, especially since, once again, Republicans have underfunded them for the obvious reasons. Right. Um, so uh, that's what made some of these states sort of drag out, particularly the ones where the, the vote count is tighter. Uh, and then in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, they, the Republicans actively sabotaged uh, the election officials to create this specific environment. They actually saw them. They saw that they were losing, which they are. And so what they tried to do is they tried to cut off the vote uh, or cut off voting when when uh, when Trump would have the lead. And then try to claim on Wednesday and Thursday, go to the courts and say, stop the count. And you mm -hmm. literally saw that play out. And the reason we knew this was happening is because Donald Trump told us this was happening. I mean, this, this is Trump cannot keep his sort of dastardly schemes private. And uh, so we were more prepared for it. The news media was more prepared for it. And we saw it coming a mile away because he told us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened in Florida. How did the Democrats lose Florida from your point of view? Yeah, Florida's Florida. <laughs> Florida <laughs> will always Florida. If we need it, uh, we will lose it. Uh, in this case, we didn't even need it. Would have been nice because they would have sort of, you know, I would have slept on Tuesday night had we won Florida. I think all of us could have gotten some sleep that night. Oh, whatever. Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, they, who cares? Like, we'll catch up with them in a couple of days. Um, unfortunately, that did not happen. A um, couple of things is, is Trump got, <laughs> there is for sure, and this is something I'm going to be digging into in the next uh, couple of months, there is a hidden deplorable vote. It's legit. There is a hidden deplorable vote. It only turns out for Trump. It didn't show up in 2018, which is why you had a Democratic wave in 2018. Mm -hmm. But it showed up in 2016 and 18 uh, and 20. Uh, and you see it because Trump overperformed his the polling 
dramatically. And he did it, you know, in 2016, we thought, oh, okay, it was just education. Like, you know, you, you adjust for education. And actually that helped become, you know, helped pollsters be very accurate in 2018. And, you know, everybody's screaming at the pollsters right now. The pollsters nailed it in 2018. And it won't be so bad this year once the final results are, are, are tallied. What it did do is it undercounted the number of votes that Donald Trump got. And when it all is said and done, and this is absolutely devastating, we're going to find that about 10 million more Americans voted for Donald Trump this year than did in 2016. It was bad enough that anybody voted for him in 2016, but that 10 million people who didn't vote say like, oh, this was like, I like what he did, really is distressing. Of course, we got even more new votes for Joe Biden. We did. But what that meant is that those tough um, races in states like South Carolina, in Montana, uh, in Kansas, states that we might have won with a 2018 electorate didn't stand a chance with this sort of what I'm going to call the hidden deplorable mm. base. And, and I'm really curious because it has only come out when Donald Trump is on the ballot. And I have some theories about who these people are, but they've only come out with Donald Trump on the ballot. And the big test will be Georgia in January with two Senate um, uh, elections, uh, runoff elections. We're going to see if my theory sort of holds true because Donald Trump won't be on the ballot. Will he? Will Republicans be able to get the kind of turnout boost that they got even in Georgia uh, without Donald Trump? And my theory is that uh, probably not, but I guess we'll find out in two months. You have some theories you say on who these people are? Yeah. Um, I think there are people who are so... I, I have a theory, too. I have one theory. All white. right. So you go first. Right. That's it. That's the only one I got, that they're white. Yeah, but there's white people. And they're already, <laughs> they're already voting for, you know, for Republicans by, uh, you know... Uh, 60, 40, you know, or higher ratio, right? I mean, we know that they're there. And we also know that white suburban women continue trending blue. I mean, there's a reason that Georgia is in, in that we're going to win Georgia. And one of it is that we got, you know, Stacey Abrams registered 700,000 African-Americans in the metro Atlanta uh, region. We talked, remember, Mark, we were talking about these people back in 2000, uh, 11, I think, 2010. It's been a while. She got them. She registered them. And wow, look at what happened. But the other factor is white suburban women in that ring around Atlanta. You cannot discount these these women have come through. And, and white women overall voted for Donald Trump again. But college-educated white women that live in these suburbs have turned hard against them. It's a reason that we made gains in Texas. We didn't win Texas, but Texas is moving. It's still moving in our direction. So yeah. these 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 changes happen. So my theory is that there's there's a subset of of white men who are so economically devastated, right? This is like meth country that they have lost all respect for any institution. They don't think anything can help them, and so their meth, uh, their mentality is destructive, right? You see this in the MAGA people with their with their um, you know their big trucks and their rallies and middle fingers to to liberals and. And they like that Donald Trump is destroying norms and institutions because it sort of feeds that destructive rage that they have. These are the incels, the gun freaks, the militias. These people are not answering polls. They're not joining the civics panel. They're not answering text polls. They're not answering the phone and talking to a stranger about what they think. They just, it's a big F you to society. And Donald Trump really, really reaches them. So when he's on the ballot, they will move heaven and earth to vote for him. But they didn't vote in 2018. And Trump was sitting there cheerleading in the sidelines, and it didn't matter. They did not vote in 2018. They did not vote in 2019 when he was begging them to turn out in Kentucky and Louisiana, which is sort of ground zero uh, for white races, deplorables. They didn't turn out. But they turn out when he's on the ballot. So this is why my this is my theory is that these people are – 100% driven by Donald Trump, that truly it is a cult of personality. And you know, Trump hasn't, um, he hasn't done anything to build up the Republican Party, right? He's always complaining about how they've let him down. So I think this is, this is part of the problem Republicans are going to have is that if he's on the ballot, then great. But when he's not, 
who picks up that mantle. And so there, that's not going to happen in, in in Georgia. And I don't even see him. He's not going to campaign for those Republicans. He doesn't give a F. Yeah. Right. Um, so can will those Republicans turn out again? That's that's a big question. And, and if they do, it's going to be a dogfight. Right. It's going to be a dogfight. If they don't, then we'll win more easily. I'm assuming they're going to turn out just because we got to fight for every vote. We've got to make sure that we assume their highest turnout so we can try to beat it. But um, if my theory is true, then we're looking better in 2022. If it's wrong, then then it says something deeper about the state of America um, that is incredibly distressing and we're going to have to confront. And that that is that too many of our citizens are just racist and deplorable um and and malicious and destructive and we have to confront that and it's not a question mark there's a place for internal battles about whether we're too liberal or too conservative or this and that it didn't matter on tuesday night it didn't we had liberal democrats lose we had conservative democrats lose this is not a ideological battle for the country it's a cultural one people are voting for donald trump and republicans for cultural reasons not who supports medicare for all Mm, mm. I agree. Um, I I had a more probably as much or more of a pessimistic view. To me, is something really wrong with um, people in a country that so many millions of people who would vote for someone, whatever, even the cultural reason, who is allowing them to die in a pandemic. So even if it's cultural, Marcos, there are white supremacists. I know some, you probably know some too, who can be white supremacists in office, but at the same time, wouldn't allow you to die in a pandemic. I mean, at at least pick the white supremacist dude who's not killing you too in a pandemic. And it's almost like Jim Jones, except at least Jim Jones had religion. Donald Trump isn't even offering, he's not offering anything but but a hairdo and a lot of tweets and a rhetoric. And you're right, people coming out to vote for that, we have a lot of work to do. Um, If that's really what half of America, or at least half that voted is, that they would vote for someone who literally is allowing them to die, that's that's pretty scary. Well, they made death into a cultural battle. Right. I mean, from the beginning, it was it was it was those weak liberals with their masks and and they don't want you to do anything. And it's just just like the flu anyway. And there is a desire for normalcy that they tapped into. I mean, it's just that reality. And so uh, even now, when we have record number of, of cases and deaths, once again, they can sit there and and act like it's no big deal. It's like the flu and and most people recover. And and I think Donald Trump being able to recover as quickly as he did because he had all the doctors and all the experimental treatments, I think that fed into that, that, that fiction, that desire that, oh, if it's just like having the flu, why are we shutting everything down? We don't shut everything down for the flu, which is if you don't have the proper perspective and knowledge and if you're not you know, consuming a media that tells you about the real risks and not just dying, but the long-term risk of, of contracting it, then it's easy to fall into that trap. And this is exactly what conservatives do. And this is this is why it infuriates me that, you know, Michael Bloomberg just went into Florida and dropped $100 million a month out from the election and TV ads that didn't, you know, we, Mark, how many years have I been talking about TV ads not doing anything? Mm-hmm. We dramatically outspent the Republicans, and it did not matter. It did not move. Once you get your name out, I mean, you throw $56 million at Jamie Harrison in a quarter, right? And he's going to lose by what, 12? Yeah. I mean, not even close, not even close because TV ads don't move. It's This is cultural. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if somebody come, came out and, and attacked Barack Obama, would me and like, is there a TV ad that would change our minds about Barack Obama? Like we know who he is, like his strengths and his weaknesses and what he's good at and what he's not good at and what he did and what he didn't do. We know that, right? We've, already, we've made a conscious decision and there's a, but there's also, so there's no TV ad that would, they would throw at us that would make us go like, oh, I changed my mind. I'd rather vote for Mitt Romney. It yeah. doesn't exist. 
And so Bloomberg coming in and spending $100 million, uh, but he didn't spend them on Spanish language media. He didn't spend them on black newspapers, right? He, he right. spent them on freaking the same BSTV on same ads that everybody can just discount because it's not persuasive. Um, if I was a billionaire, first of all, I would basic I would start um, a chain of Latino newspapers in any any um, in any net, in any market that wasn't already served, and I would heavily promote liberal values. I mean. Everybody talks about Fox News. I think Sinclair is actually the bigger danger. They bought up all these local TV stations and they insert that conservative BS into the nightly newscasts, yeah, yeah. which is more insidious than anything. And so I would I would buy a Spanish you know, uh, Spanish language newspaper. So I would create them where they don't exist. I would just I would fund black media, black newspapers, black radio, and use that as an opportunity again to really promote and push. Uh, liberal values and, and just reality. I mean, reality's got a liberal bias, right? As Stephen Colbert said. Uh, then I would work on ways to expand our reach, like a Sinclair. And you have Michael Bloomberg, who has a whole media empire. He could he could flip it like that overnight, right? And turn it into yeah. Fox News alternative, and but he won't. Um, <laughs> right. He'll well, and, $3 million dollars on nothing. And the thing is that. Um, we begged for that. There were not, you know, black owned media ad buys to the extent that they should have been Spanish language uh, ad buys. And yet, once again, it's the African-American electorate that in this instance, once again, that has saved the Democratic Party, Philadelphia, Atlanta. I mean, that's where the, the density of the black population has been. Um the, the the Latino electorate obviously making a difference in Nevada and Arizona. Um, it's interesting. Florida is a little bit different. But, but let me ask you this, though. Uh, could, are there any of these exit polls, particularly Edison, can they be accurate? How can you exit poll when 100 million people voted absentee? Because they're saying the support from black women doubled for Trump. I don't believe that at all for one minute. Um they're saying 55% of white women voted for Trump even more than 2016. That can't be true, can it? Oh, no. <laughs> That's the answer, right? So one thing about exit polls is that they are actually, they will be tweaked to match actual voter turnout, and they will be matched up to some you know data files to try to get a better accurate read on the election. So what you see on election night isn't, or what you even see on CNN right now, isn't the actual final exit polls. They will be adjusted over time. Um, the census uh, does a, a an American survey um, every year, and they're going to ask voters what they thought on various numbers of issues. That is actually a pretty good uh, measure of actual, that's going to be a more accurate measure when you're, when you're asking millions of people. Uh, these questions as opposed to a statistical sample. Um, but yeah, if I'm a I'm little more reticent about the exit polls than I had been in the past, not just because it's a poll, but also because this was a weird election where, you know, most people voted by mail. So there's like, you know, some, some uh, vote, you know, day of vote um, exit polling, and then there's some phone polling of people who already voted. And did they get that mix right the first time that we've had this kind of election and so many different rules in so many different states, not an easy undertaking. I don't, I don't, I don't envy Edison having to do it. I would be a little more cautious this year than most even. Um, that said, we know that Trump made gains in Latinos, at least in Florida because of the Cuban vote and the Cuban Venezuelan vote came in very strong for, for Trump. They bought into the whole socialism thing. It's sort of really right triggered a sort of personal historical story right and they did that successfully um they also he also did well in the border counties in texas which is absolutely mm -hmm. my body not a lot of people live in those in those places not a, a lot of people live in them not a lot of people vote so when you look at the vote totals they're actually minimal but they did flip to donald trump that presents as a a double whammy is one we got to really figure out how to how to um how to turn up our vote there, and two is make sure that that any gains that Republicans did are are rolled back. And I have stories about Texas where 
you know, people would say like, we're, we're going in, we're going to go into Texas. And I'd say, Oh, where? And they'd say Houston, Dallas, and Austin, and maybe San Antonio. And nobody was looking at El Paso. Nobody was looking at those border counties. And there is, uh, there, and I'd say, well, why wouldn't you go there? Right. That's, that's literally where we're weak. And it's, and th there was no answer, right? It's like, well, we'll, we'll hope to expand to the, you know, down there eventually. It's like, that's ah, just your way of saying we're not going to do it. It's because they don't know anybody down there. They don't know the markets. They, they don't have anybody in staff that knows how to speak that language. Uh, Mark, have you ever talked to Chuck Rocha by any chance? No. All no. right. So I'm going to connect you to Chuck Rocha. Chuck Rocha did Latino outreach for Bernie Sanders this cycle. And, and if you look at Bernie's Latino support in 2016 and what he got this time, night and day and he can talk to you. he's from texas and he can talk to you about those border counties and how little and he'll say he had a latino super PAC um focus on messaging to latino voters and he'll he'll talk to you about the billions of dollars that were spent by democrats overall in the campaign cycle and you know how much the two latino super PACs raised all cycle 10 million dollars wow 10 million dollars uh which for a part of the electorate then some of these states is 30 to 50 percent in texas yeah. and in florida arizona nevada so there is a real I'm, I'm hoping particularly since we won so it's a little less stress but i'm hoping that that these democratic groups look at this and realize holy crap like we, we can't be losing the texas border counties to trump that's insane why but why would the latinos in the border counties vote for trump I, I get cuba and venezuela but i don't get the borders um uh, i mean a lot of it's men there, there's a growing theory that rural latinos may be different than urban latinos and i there is definitely something in political science in the data that the closer we are to other people, the more liberal we become. And if you live in a city and you're white, you are, you know, <laughs> you're going to be very democratic as opposed to that white person out in the rural areas, which is going to be, you know, 10% democratic. Uh, and there may be a similar sort of um, similar dynamic at play, even with, with Latinos. Now, uh, generally overall, Democrats won the Latino vote, right? Even in Texas. So this yeah. is not a question. This is about eating into those margins. And if we're going to turn Texas blue, we can't, we can't be letting them eat into our margins with Latino voters. In fact, it should be going the other way. Like Latinos should be voting like the black vote. Like it should be right. solidly. I mean, the Republican party is a racist party. What the hell are you doing? Giving right. them any base of support. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of it too is, is, um, there's, there's another theory, and we've talked about this, is Obama presided over record deportations, right? It's just Obama was not great for the Latino community. He also promised uh, immigration reform, and it never delivered. And, yeah, you can blame Congress, but that was the last, you know, that's after the first two years. He did nothing the first two years to naturalize um, Latino uh, undocumented immigrants. So there's a latent distrust of Biden. And there was in the primary, this is, this is, you know, big deal in Latino media, um, a Latino, a Democrat, a liberal Latino, basically asked Biden at an event, what, uh, why, he asked him about that Obama's record on those deportations. And Biden literally said, if that's what you think, then vote for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That literally is what Joe Biden said. Mm. If you question me on immigration, vote for Donald Trump. And that got a lot of play. And not just a lot of play in Latino media, but of course Republicans ran with it, right? Of course they did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a gift. If you have any doubts about Obama's immigration record, then vote for Donald Trump. And then we're going to be surprised that some of them did. Yeah. So you have to, you know, and, and it's surprising because Biden's strength as a human being, as a politician, he's a very, he has so much empathy. Like, I mean, it really shines through, but that's one place where he, he's never had that warmth with the Latino community. He has it with the black community, right? Clearly, like he is so comfortable and at home and he does not feel that way in the Latino community. And I think that was a big, uh, that hurt us in the end. And I, I don't think, I think Biden's not the person to, to rebuild that, but this is where starting to elevate some other Latino superstars is gonna be incredibly helpful in sort of repairing I, what I think is actual damage into moving Latinos into into a more, uh, and I'm not talking about the Cubans, like 
I mean, right. <laughs> kind of right. but I'm talking about definitely Mexican Americans. And there's also turnout issues. I mean, the Puerto Rico community in, we may, it's too early. It's too early for me to say conclusively, but I suspect that we also lagged in, in turnout with Puerto Ricans in, uh, in Miami, because we always do. And the numbers I saw coming out of those areas, the Orlando area, didn't suggest a massive increase in vote, given that hundreds of thousands of uh, Cuban uh, or Puerto Ricans moved to the Orlando area after Hurricane Maria decimated Puerto Rico. Yeah, we should have been on top of that. But it, it, all good points. We, and so this is why people, you know, you all, Marco said one time was thinking about running for chair of the party. Not that he'll do that again, but people like us need to be at the table. It's still too much of this consultant class. And that's where the TV ads come from, you know, and the modeling and the laptops. No. Uh, And I'm hearing from a lot of people that you and I both know saying that, you know, we got past this and hopefully we'll get through January, get these two other seats in the Senate. But we've got to get back to the grassroots. No, I'm into the modeling and the data, you know, right? I mean, I actually, you know, but, not that data data for, but the data yeah. says we need Latino votes. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the on the ground organizing the registration of new voters. I mean, there was even one statistic where the GOP was out registering Democrats in a couple of States. That's never happened before. Yeah. And, and, what what built the Democratic Party into the Democratic Party it is today was the Jackson campaigns. And you'd go in the it has it, been a steady increase in black voter registration in Georgia because of what was be- begun in 1984. And then Stacey Abrams and others picked that back up. You yeah. can't just rely on the electorate you had the last cycle. You've got to keep getting newer ones. Yeah, and Mark, right. if you want to, yeah, I mean, the good news is, is you know, Joe Biden's going to be president. We're going to pick up seats in the Senate and hopefully enough to, you know, at least get that 50-50 majority in the Senate still in play. Uh, we kept control of the House. We lost seats. We, we kept control. I thought we were going to gain. We lost seats. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that because of that, you know, that crush of, you know, the Donald Trump, the mm-hmm. Donald Trump in deplorables, that we did not gain um, the state legislatures in key yeah. redistricting states. Republicans have control now of redistricting in more places than Democrats do compared to 2010. So this map that that we we finally got a majority, even though Republicans you know wrote those maps, now Republicans can come in and rejigger everything. Um, to dilute Democratic districts once again. So we are pretty screwed in state redistricting and uh, U.S. House redistricting. It effed us. And even though we have Supreme Courts in certain places like North Carolina that could try to stop that, now you have a Supreme Court that is 6-3, and we don't have the Senate majority to expand the court so we are at the mercy of that 6-3 court, at least until 2022, uh, where we have a pretty good Senate map. We have some opportunities to make gains again, but at least for the next few years, things are going to be pretty bleak. So this is what happens when when we don't win these down ballot races. And I don't I'm not going to say uh, in Texas, the Latino vote hurt us there for sure. It, 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 it absolutely prevented us from winning the state legislature. In other states, it's just that we got massive turnout. They got massive turnout, too. So I'm not going to say we could have done differently in some of these places, but their ability to get that massive vote out in districts that were um, written in 2010 to benefit them. I mean, for example, in Minnesota, Republicans kept control of state legislature, even though the Democrats are going to win the state popular vote by a lot. Right. So this is not all. Um, a lot of this goes back to 2010, for sure. But we were unable to to squeeze that little bit more. And, and remember, before the election, I said there was so much hanging on this band, right? This like two point band. If we're on this side of it, things, you know, it could we'll, we'll, maybe we'll have a good night. And we had a good night. Had we had two more points, we would have had the best night ever. And we didn't get the best night ever. We got a good night, and that worked at the presidential level it worked at you know 
maybe at the Senate level, it actually hurt us down lower in the ballot. And so um, things are going to be rough the next couple of years. I mean, I was, I was hoping we'd have a, a, a space to talk about great ideas and great infrastructure projects and stimulus and expanding the court and statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico voted for statehood. Um, and there was, there, was a, there was a moment, there was a chance for us to actually get something accomplished. And right now it's just going to be holding the line and trying to do as much as we can via executive um, executive orders because uh, now we're hearing that Mitch McConnell won't even allow votes on, on two liberal cabinet members, right? So he's already talking about how he's going to sabotage. So winning the Georgia special election is going to, elections is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. So much is going to be riding on that. We need to win those two seats. Um, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. It's one state. We treat it like a national election. We Biden, Biden's going to win the state. Yeah, Biden's going to win the state. This is a winnable state. Yeah, so I'm saying, you, me and you might need to move to Georgia for a few weeks. Man, if I if I if I didn't have you know my kids that I have custody over, like I, <laughs> I think I'd be moving to Georgia for a while. Bring them, bring them with you. <laughs> no, really, man. Some of us, I'm already talking to people. Some of us might just have to go to Georgia. We cannot blow this. Mark, if you can go to Georgia, go to Georgia. <laughs> Anybody that can go to Georgia, you have a place to crash. Um, go to Georgia because everything is riding on Georgia. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this is a moment I, I got to say, I hate that we that so much is writing on Georgia. But the other part of me says this is what I've been living for like the last four or five cycles. Right. It's this, I, it's this knowing that Georgia was a purple to blue state and not seeing it vote that way. It's the same in Texas. It's the same. It was the same in Arizona. Uh, it will be the same in Mississippi. Once we can lock down Georgia and we can lock down Texas. Mm -hmm. In Arizona, like Mississippi is like my next sort of obsessive yeah. project. These are states that if people voted at the rates that that demographically they do, should be purple to blue states. And so um, Georgia is everything. And you know what? I think it's, it's important for Biden to win, even if, you know, we're going to have the runoffs no matter what at this point. I think Georgia voters need to see, Georgia Democratic voters need to see that their votes actually can change things. Right. Because in 2018, the message was they're going to suppress us into losing no matter what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And, and Stacey Abrams said, like, OK, you did suppress us this time, but I'm going to work so hard to overcome that suppression. And Stacey Abrams running for governor. Right. She never stopped running for governor. Uh, so that's in 2022. We got we got we got an important governor's race there, too. But. um I think those Democrats need to see, like, if Biden wins, they can finally, I think that validation will be absolutely uh, so empowering that that itself may be enough to sort of propel these two Senate candidates to victory in January. Because that's a, it's a weird time to have an election. This is on purpose, right? Because this law was designed for voter suppression. Ironically, it's hurting them in the Purdue race, right? Because he, he could have won normally in a normal election, but this is designed for voter suppression. It kept people like Raphael Warnock from winning the general election because in the, in the, in the normal election, he maybe gets 46%. Then you have this runoff in a low turnout period of time, like January 3rd, I think is the election. Um, it's actually a, it's designed to keep people from voting so that white people can keep those seats. Yeah. That's exactly what it's about. And so I can't, Mark, I don't even know if, if, any any black Georgian has won statewide since re Reconstruction. I mean, I think it may be that effective a tactic that I don't think any any black uh, politician has been able to overcome it. And this is going to be the year. Well, not this year, 2021, January, right at the turn of the calendar. This is the time that that we're going to change that, and we need to change that because it's our only way of saving the Biden presidency right now. So just curious, in, in the meantime, Purdue and Lawfuller remain in the Senate until after the runoff. Is that the way that works? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if and if we can, if Ossoff and Warnock win, then what will the number be? 50-50? It'll be 50-50, assuming that Alaska stays red. And Alaska is still in play. Um, okay. Theoretically, because they didn't count any any of their mail ballots until next week. 
They okay. just counted. They just counted their their day of election vote, and and I, don't ask me why. <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, and right now, right now, it looks like a pretty red result. But that's the, remember the day of vote was heavily Republican because Donald Trump pushed Republicans a day off. That suggests if there's about sixty percent of the vote that still needs to be counted in Alaska, and if it is heavily Democratic as expected, we may get a surprise. I. If you may remember, I had Alaska pegged as a state that Biden may win um, as, a, as sort of the surprise state of the cycle. That was before I knew about this hidden deplorable <laughs> Trump vote. Right? Deplorable. Yeah. So that may that may that may change the equation. But I think there's still a, a, a chance. It's a mathematical chance at this point that that um, we maybe pick up a Senate seat in Alaska. Uh, and if we do, then we have a chance at a 51-49 majority, which would be better than 50-50, obviously. Um, I wouldn't count on it, though. So I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be 48-48. No. It's going to be 48 Democrats, 50 Republicans, and then that election is going to decide whether we can get the last two senators to get the majority. Okay. So, folks, uh, a lot more to be done. We cannot rest. Uh, the cycle's not over after all that work. The Never. cycle's not over. And if I can ask you all to do one thing right now, if, if, if you can't get yourself to Georgia to volunteer, um, donate to uh, to Raphael Warnock, donate to John Ossoff, donate to the Georgia Democratic Party, uh, donate to Stacey Abrams' organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all, you know what the nice thing is? Like they can run as a ticket, right? So this is actually maybe... Uh, it's a. I think it's a good thing that both the candidates made it yeah. to the runoff, as opposed to maybe there was there was the polling suggested that John Ossoff might win outright um, on Tuesday. Didn't happen, obviously. But I think by having them as a ticket, it sort of doubles that power, right? So you're going to have both their campaign organizations plus the. I mean, everybody's going to come down to Texas, right? You're going to have the entire Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee organizers in Texas. The DNC is going to be all in Texas. Probably the DCCC, the House Committee. What else are going to be? Get them down to Texas, organizing at that congressional district level. Uh, and then Stacey Abrams' organization, everybody. And Republic, Republicans are going to do the same, right? They know that Mitch McConnell's um, uh, control hinges. Hinges on that. That's true. Right? They so, definitely can be there. Right, right. This is a national issue. Just to be clear before we go, the polling, you mentioned the polling being off. off. It was off in a lot of places. You're, are you saying that the polling was off because of the hidden deplorables? Yes. Okay. That's my early theory. I reserved a right <laughs> when we talk <laughs> next week after I've had more of a chance to look at the numbers uh, and more of the results are going to come in and I will have more sleep under my belt um, and people are going to be doing analysis I may, I may change my mind, but right now that seems to be the case. Now, here's the fun thing. Both Warnock and Ossoff had big general, uh, had big runoff leads when we polled those. So even if you tighten by, by the amount that we missed on the general election, right. um, they are still ahead. Now, things are different. The dynamics are different. Trump lost. Will that demobilize, demotivate Republicans to not turn out? Will it get them angrier? Like, there's so much, right? Like, who knows? So um, there's a lot in question. But it looked really good early on. And uh, and speaking of polling, 2018, the pollsters got it right. 2016 and 20, they didn't. And Trump overperformed at the top of the ticket. Right. In our polling, he did about two points better than what we polled. Um, and that doesn't sound like much, but it actually, you know, it makes a big difference in some of those margins. That is, um, the question is, are they going to be able to get that turnout? Is is January 3rd going to be like the 2018 election where the pollsters really got a good read on it? Or is it going to be like 16 and 20 when Trump skewed it? Because Trump is, is a phenomenon. Trump is, he really... He is a phenomenon. He does. He can consistently overperform what polling that should otherwise work. You know, he breaks it because he gets these hidden deplorables out. Yeah, yeah. DailyCoast.com, Civics with a Q, uh, and Civics is going to stays up and running year round. So yeah, check it out. Yeah. 
And if you want to be a part of the sample too, check it out. Yeah. Civicswithaq.com. That's Thursday Coast for today, folks. Next time we chat, maybe the presidential election will be fully resolved, but we'll see. That's still we're gonna have we're gonna have Trump here on the sidelines screaming about it, but <laughs> right. But, right. Uh, but the word is that he's just gonna he's gonna announce he's running again for 2024. So um, you think he's really gonna do that? You think he'll really do that? I always thought that given the opportunity, he would absolutely absolutely do it. And now we know that he's been talking about it. His problem, he's got two problems. He he needs money. He's broke. And so if he has a campaign, he can keep the he can keep the grift going, right? He can keep charging yeah. all those hotel rooms at Mar-a-Lago. He can charge that all to the campaign. That's so GOP, GOP donors can keep just fun, you know, funding his lifestyle. So he needs to keep that grift going. Um, the other option would be to start a media organization. But has he ever surrounded himself with anybody that knows what they're doing? I mean, <laughs> literally, like, he bankrupted a casino because he put Ivana in charge. Yeah. yeah. The casino opened up. The slot machines didn't work. Like right. that was that's his, his record because he doesn't want people around him to actually know what they're doing. He wants right. people that are psychophants. And he's not going to let put smart people to run it and him stay out of it. He's got to get yeah. in and muck it up. So you're right. Yeah. yeah somebody might actually write a good article about somebody. You know, he got pissed off at Fossey when people started writing good articles about Fossey. Like yeah. he, he, no, nobody, nobody gets a spotlight in his world. So I don't think that's going to happen. Now, of course, the problem he has is that he's going to spend the next four years fending off all sorts of lawsuits and investigations. Right. And, and he can't part himself out of it because a lot of it, it's all coming out of, not a lot of it, a lot of it is coming out of New York where he can't protect himself with, uh, with, uh, he might, he, he might, he might be in jail in four years. Right. He, so that's, that's plus, another he'll be, won't he be 80 years old? Yeah. I mean, he don't care about that. Yeah. So he might not even be alive. There's that piece because he's not a healthy individual. Uh, and then let's not forget that he owes $400 million that he is personally liable, uh, that he's personally guaranteed and he doesn't have that money. It just doesn't exist. So I think there's a non-zero chance that he's in he, he's in Russia or Saudi Arabia declaring political asylum within you know the next five months because yeah. he doesn't want to pay the debts and he doesn't want to face the music and all those legal challenges. So he ain't gonna be running for president if <laughs> if he's hiding out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it's actually I'm looking forward to the day where I can look about news with, with Donald Trump and it's like, it's funny and it's it's invigorating and it's, oh, where's he hiding to or who's suing him now or what lawsuit did he lose? As opposed to how many more kids has he put in jail and uh, all the other horrible things that he's done. Yeah, yeah. Marcos Melissa's dailycoast.com. We'll talk next week, Marcos. Always a pleasure. Thank and you. I'm, I'm so glad, Mark, at what point did you think that uh, Joe Biden was gonna lose? Because I did. There was that point, Florida, Florida goes. Yeah. And I thought, here we go again. And and I was like, I can't do it. I can't go through four more years of this. Yeah. And that's why I couldn't sleep that, that night. And that's why it was two o'clock my time when when Milwaukee came in 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 uh in Wisconsin and it flipped. Yeah, yeah. Um I never fully gave up, but I was with bated breath all night, just watching, watching, watching. I couldn't give up, but I was like tormented. You know, with anxiety. And if Wisconsin hadn't done what it had done, I mean, I just don't know. Yeah. And this country would not survive. But but again, my focus was still so much on the, the, the despair of knowing that we live in a country where that many people would vote for someone like that. Something's wrong with with us. Marcos. This yeah, not just the existing 2016 voters, but the ones who decided to either vote for him, who hadn't voted, which may be about six to 10 million new people that voted for him that hadn't even voted before, that looked at that and said, that's what I want to be part of. We have some serious work to do as a country to yeah. deal with, with, with that, that uh, ingrained malevolent level of racial hostility, because that's what that was. And, and that's a disease worse than COVID, y'all. And, and that's and, yeah. And I will say, and I know, <laughs> you know, there was no bigger partisan for Elizabeth Warren than me. And I never yeah. hid that. Right. I actually don't think anybody but Joe Biden could probably won Tuesday. I think you're right. Well, you know, we kind of batted that around. I mean, it might take people talking about old white dude, but maybe you needed an old white dude against an old white dude in this climate. You know, it, 
with Trump's ability to pull out this sort of hidden right. deplorable vote, right? Because yeah. um, I don't I, Warren or Harris, you know, God bless them, but just we didn't win by that much, in, you know, few points here and there, you know, that map looks a lot different. And uh, I know South Carolina black community said we ain't taking no chances. And I, I but, think in the end they were right. But again, to be clear though, th these polls are still saying that white the white women vote went up for him is that really do you believe that i would not doubt it because there is i uh, the um white women in the suburbs absolutely shifted like that's undoubted you know there's no doubt about that because we have seen that in the election results there is no way that democrats win georgia without the massive shift cop county right it's not a black county it's a white county uh, huge shifts in in democratic performance in places right. like Cobb, uh, the suburbs of Dallas, the suburbs of Houston, they all move dramatically. Even uh, um, uh, what's what's the county outside of Detroit? There, there's a county outside Detroit, uh, totally white. No, it's not Detroit. Wayne. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne. Wayne okay. uh, I think Biden, uh, I think he flipped Wayne. I think Wayne went in our direction. Right. No, Wayne is, Wayne, is, Wayne is Detroit proper. I might be thinking of Oakland, but anyway, um, it's, it's Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, so Oakland. that's it. That's it. Huge gains in in the in the suburbs around uh, around Detroit, and even though the Milwaukee suburbs remain pretty red, they used to be blood red. So we're seeing shifts of six to ten points in those in those counties. And given that Trump, that Biden only won Wisconsin by, I think what twenty thirty thousand votes in the end. I think it's about twenty two thousand votes is the final margin. That was those suburban white women, you know, and, and not to take anything away from the numbers in Milwaukee because Milwaukee came through big, right? So none of this is to say that the black vote and the Latino vote weren't important, right? This is just to say that we did not win this election. They were all part of this coalition, right? So you can say we don't win without blacks, we don't win without Latinos, but we don't win without suburban white women flipping the way they did. And uh, because Trump ran up the margins even more in rural districts, right? Like he really squeezed out that hidden deplorable vote. So we needed to make it up elsewhere. And we did it in the suburbs and in the cities. Um, yeah. Did, is there enough deplorable, hidden Trump deplorable white women? They exist because we've seen plenty of videos, right? We've seen all the Karens, <laughs> right? All the Karens, they're all, they're all voting for Donald you, you, Trump. You just, you just retweeted one this afternoon, I saw. <laughs> Oh my God! She's a elections commissioner in in Mississippi, who has gotten in the face of a woman who was just waiting to you know a sign for her candidate. And a black woman wailed on her because you know she all up in her face. Right. So, so um, those people exist. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. I also wouldn't be surprised that they adjust those numbers as they start aligning the exit polls with the actual election results. Right. And, and we have a good idea of who voted in states because of how, how much data plays into tracking votes and voters, individual voters. Um, and just looking at the voter list, you can see who voted because that's, that's, that's a public record. And then you can match that up with with uh, the demographic data that people have in the voter file, and you can get a good idea of who voted and how they voted. So I think we're going to have within the next three to six months, we're going to have a much better view of actual of, that, of those numbers than we did do today out of what is just another poll. And not just another poll, Mark, like we talked about, a weird one, right? Because you have people who already voted, and then the people who voted day of, and and so there's too many different ways to vote and. I don't think any pollster is really fully prepared to to deal with that, particularly the first time it's happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thursday Ghost, Marcos Melissa, Civics with a Q, dailycoast.com. Thanks as always, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. All right, we'll talk next week. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.